Our Old Testament lesson this morning is from Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. Deuteronomy 16, verses 13 through 17. Um, Likely not the passage you read for your morning devotions today, but an important passage nevertheless. This is, once again, in Deuteronomy, where the people are about to enter into the land that God had promised their ancestors, and before they go in, um, Moses is reminding them of how they are to live in this land as God's people with him as uh, their God. Before we read, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for this day that you have made, and God, we thank you for your word that you have given to us. We pray that this morning you would help us to hear your word. Help us to truly hear it. God, that we would know better what you are saying, that we would know better who you are. That we would know um, better who we are as your people. And that, Lord, that by your word and by your spirit, you would change us evermore, even today, into the people that you have created us to be in relationship with you through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Deuteronomy chapter 16, verses 13 through 17. To celebrate the festival of tabernacles for seven days after you have gathered the produce of your threshing floor and your wine press. Be joyful at your festival, you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, the foreigners, the fatherless, and the widows who live in your towns. For seven days, celebrate the festival to the Lord your God at the place the Lord will choose. For the Lord your God will bless you in all your harvest and in all the work of your hands, and your joy will be complete. Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place he will choose, at the festival of unleavened bread, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. No one should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Turning into our New Testament lesson, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 14. And here again, we have Paul writing to the church in Ephesus as how now we live uh, in light of who who Jesus is, what he has done, and who he is um, making us to be as uh, his people. Ephesians 5, verses 8 through 14. It says, For you were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. It is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. And everything that is illuminated becomes a light. This is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This morning, we're looking at John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. And as I mentioned with the kids, this is a little bit of hide-and-seek going on here. Uh, this is a time where we have Jesus 
being sought after, not necessarily for good reasons. And, um, and we're just going to begin right with, right with the scripture, and we will come back around and talk about it some more. This is John chapter 7, verses 1 through 13. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. He did not want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. But when the Jewish festival of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, Leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. After he had said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the festival, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now, at the festival, the Jewish leaders were watching for Jesus and asking, Where is he? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, He is a good man. Others replied, No, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the leaders. I don't know if you've been a part of uh, those sorts of whispering campaigns where people are saying a lot of things that may differ here and there, but nobody's saying anything openly because there may be consequences. Well, let's go back to the beginning. John chapter 7, verse 1, when it says, after this, Jesus went around in Galilee. Um, I just want us to set the stage as to what is going on here with, uh, with Jesus and this idea of him hiding Why is he hiding? Why is he doing things in secret? His brothers certainly didn't understand it. We see other people doing things in secret later. We understand why they're doing that. What's going on with Jesus being in secret? And so um, where we begin on that is the first two words of verse 1. After this. Well, after what? So here's the recap. What Jesus has been doing, he fed the 5,000 people with a little bit of bread, a little, few fish, feeds 5,000 men plus women and children, and then, uh, leaving, then they wanted to make him a king by force. And so he withdraws, and he goes to a mountain and prays. Then later he walks across the Sea of Galilee on the water, and then the people go and they find him on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, and there he's preaching to them. They want more bread, and he says what you need is not more Physical bread, what you need is me. I am the bread of life. That's what you need. You need to feed on me. And when he gets to the end of that whole uh, sermon, revival breaks out? No. When he gets to the end of that sermon, most of the people walk away. They leave and they stop following him. And it says, after this is what we have now. So it's after all the people have walked away except for the 12, the 12 disciples. And Jesus says, have I not called you 12? And so then it's after this that Jesus goes around in Galilee. And it explains why it is that he's going around in Galilee. Now, if you don't know your uh, Israel geography, it pretty much looks like this. (laughs) There you have it. 
this is my good map for you for today. You have Galilee up here, and you have Judea down here, and then you have kind of Samaria in between, right? So you've got Galilee, Judea. This is where Jerusalem is. This is where Nazareth is and Capernaum is. This is where the Sea of Galilee is up here in the north. And so uh, Jesus is doing all of these things. He's going around. He's still teaching and healing. He's doing all these things up here. Why is he doing it up here instead of coming down into Judea? Oh, what's his A? He doesn't want to go about in Judea because the Jewish leaders there were looking for a way to kill him. And this is the idea. Down here in the south is where Jerusalem is. This is where uh, the Jewish leaders are centered. This is where uh, the temple is. This is where the people come for all the festivals that we just read about in Deuteronomy. You've got the three times a year that everybody kind of has to come to this place. This is where they are. And Jesus is more in the, uh, in the small towns, the rural areas. And he's staying there outside of the spotlight, the hot seat there in Jerusalem because there are people trying to kill him. Now, I mentioned in this children's sermon, I asked Micah, you know, if Jesus ever hid because he was afraid. Jesus said, no, he didn't. And yet it says here that he's staying up in the north, not going in south, because there are people trying to kill him. Is that because he was afraid of dying? It is not. But let's hang on to that thought. What happens next? It says, but when the Jewish, leader, Jewish festivals of tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judea so that your disciples there may see the works you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. This is the conversation Jesus has with his brothers. Uh, for those of you who did not know, Jesus has brothers. Um, these are kids of Joseph and Mary. And uh, we actually learn about some of them later in the New Testament. But here, these brothers are saying to him, go to the festival. Go into this place where you're going to have a lot more people watching what you're doing. Now, why are they saying this? Because they don't believe him, right? So why are they saying that he should do this? Anybody here have brothers? (laughs) No, these, uh, these brothers are encouraging him to go there because even though they don't believe in him, it's one of those things where it's like, look, if you are this Messiah, we don't think you are, but if you are, then surely what, one of the things that means is you're going to want everybody to be following you. If you're going to be this next king over uh, Israel, then that means you've got to get everybody following. You've got to win the, uh, the popular vote, so to speak. They didn't do it that way, but you've got to get the approval of the people. And you're not going to do that up here in Galilee. Nobody in Jerusalem cares. What you need to do is if you're going to do this for real, you've got to go to Jerusalem. That's where the people are. That's where the power center is. You've got to go there. You've got to make yourself known publicly to everyone. That's how this works. And so this is one of those... Uh, things where they don't believe in him, and yet they're, they're kind of trying to call his bluff. That's how I read it anyway. But they're trying to call his bluff, that he's saying that he's someone special, and they're like, no, you're not. Because if you were someone special, you'd be going to Jerusalem. That's where the special people go. But you're not. 
So they're trying to force, force his hand. Go on. Go do it. And he doesn't. And he doesn't. Now, why does he not? Is it because he's afraid? Is it because he's not someone special? Why does he not go down to Jerusalem? His brothers kind of have a case, don't they? It sort of makes sense that if he's someone special to go to Jerusalem, but he doesn't go. Why does he not go? This is verse uh, 6 through 8. This is the answer to them. Therefore, Jesus told them, my time is not yet here. For you, any time will do. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that its works are evil. You go to the festival. I am not going up to this festival because my time has not yet fully come. Why does he not go to the festival? Because it's not time. Is he going to go to Jerusalem later? Is he going to go to Jerusalem publicly later? He is. Now, if we fast forward, we'll see that, uh, okay, this is one of those festivals. Let me back up a This is one of those festivals we just read in uh, Deuteronomy that three times a year, everybody's coming to Jerusalem for these festivals. Um, and each time they come, they're coming from all around. And so they're traveling together in these large groups all going together. Now, if we fast forward, there's going to be an upcoming Passover where everybody's going to come to Jerusalem. And Jesus does come publicly with everyone else, being proclaimed as someone special. You remember this? We celebrate as Palm Sunday when people are putting down palm branches, they're throwing their coats down, and they're all screaming and shouting and praising him. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, right? This is the time that is his time. And it's because he comes so publicly with the people cheering and shouting and proclaiming who he is. It's because of this, in part, there's some other reasons as well, but partly because of this arrival in Jerusalem this way, that five days later, Jesus is dead. And he goes to Jerusalem on that occasion publicly, knowing that that's what's coming. He's not afraid to die. He will go to Jerusalem willingly putting himself in the hands of the very people who are there out to kill him. But it's not his time yet. That's what he says to his brothers. There will come a time where I will do just what you're saying. I will go to Jerusalem, but I'm not the kind of king that you think that I am. And so when I come, I'm not going to go to Jerusalem to throw out uh, the Romans throw out the other Jewish leaders and to take my seat upon a throne I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to take my place on a cross the powers who are there are going to kill me but it is only through his death that he actually overthrows the powers that are behind all the powers So Jesus does go to the festival. And he goes, not publicly, but in secret. He waits a few days. The crowds have all gone in there. All the hoopla of coming to the city has died down. And then he goes on. He goes on in. And when he gets there, if you read ahead, he doesn't stay hidden the whole time he's there. 
It's not that he didn't want people to see him in Jerusalem. He just didn't want to come in that way. And so while he's there, he'll do some teaching, and we'll talk about that next week. But while, he's, uh, while he gets there, you know, people have been looking. Where is he? What's going on? Like, there's still buzz going around about who this guy is. And it says that people are, you know, kind of all over the place on who he is. Good guy, bad guy, I don't know. But no one will say anything publicly for fear of the leaders. Um, pride and fear. Those are two motivators we deal with a lot. And, uh, you know, we talk a lot about the instincts that we have, sort of fight or flight, and how one of the things that Jesus calls us to is not either of those, but something else. And we see all the, all the different ways uh, that he calls us to stand firm uh, without the fighting or without the fleeing that comes by instinct. But here, we see something similar, maybe taken a little bit further, in the uh, motivations that we have of pride and fear. Now, if you are trying to motivate someone else, those are probably your typical go-tos. You'll either try to flatter them, build them up with pride, so they will then do whatever it is you want them to do, or you will threaten them with fear. This is the whole carrot or the stick kind of thing. Threaten them with the fear of what will happen if they don't do what it is you want them to do. This is how we tend to uh, try to manipulate, I mean, motivate people in, <laughs> in our everyday life and world. And uh, what we see with Jesus is the same kind of thing. We see his brothers who are trying to build up his pride. Look, if you are who you say you are, if you are this someone special, then you're going to go to Jerusalem. Go on. Come on. Let's go. Let's go to Jerusalem and show everybody just how special you are. And does their flattery work? Does his pride get in the way? No, he's not chasing pride. They say, actually, nobody who, what is it? Oh, I'm going to find this exactly. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Oh, what a great line. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Well, that makes sense. But does Jesus want to become a public figure? No, what's he want to do? He didn't want to become a public figure. He wants to do his father's will. He wants to love and serve the world. He wants to lay down his own life for the good of the world. That's, that's very different than wanting to become a public figure, isn't it? Um, but his brother said, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you're doing these things, show yourself to the world. Building up that pride. And it's just like, you remember the, uh, the old Superman stuff where the, the bullets just sort of bounce off him? He just stands there? I almost feel like that's what is happening with Jesus when any sort of appeals to pride come his way. And it just bounces off. It doesn't work. That's not going to change what he's going to do. He is going to do the Father's will. It doesn't matter if you try to build up his pride. On the other hand, then you have the motivator of fear. Of That's why the people in Judea are not speaking out publicly because they are afraid. And we'll see fear is one of those things that runs all the way from Genesis uh, chapter 3 on through most of the rest of the Bible because you have, um, you know, from Adam and Eve on, you have this fear of what's going to happen. 
And that doesn't motivate Jesus either. He's not motivated by fear. He is motivated by love that he has for the Father and the Father has for him and he has for the world. This is his motivator. And so when we see uh, the fear of the crowds, we see the same thing in the disciples even after uh, the resurrection on Pentecost Sunday. Why are they all hiding together? Because they're afraid. And it's then that the Holy Spirit comes in. And from then on, you read the rest of the book of Acts, and we don't see them being motivated by fear very much. Maybe at all. But they are going out in a whole different way. Uh, and so here again, that's not what we see from Jesus. He's not acting out of pride. He's not acting out of love. I mean, he's not, he is acting out of, He's not acting out of pride. He's not acting out of fear. He is acting out of love. This is the reason that he goes when he goes. It's the reason he goes the way that he goes. And nobody seems to be able to throw him off course. I want you to look this week as you go through uh, the events of your days, not only how it is um, that you may be tempted to motivate others with pride or fear, but how others may be trying to motivate you that way, and also just the way in which your own heart tends to try to motivate you these ways. The things that you do, are you doing them because you're being motivated by pride, because you're being motivated by fear, or are you being motivated out of love for God and for others? That's what we see with Jesus. Let me tell you, sometimes we think that, man, if, if I had all the power in the world, you know, if I had all the power, I could do whatever I want, whenever I want, right? Isn't that kind of how we think about that? If I had all the power, I could do whatever I want, whenever I want. Then we look at Jesus, who has all the power in the world. And in his conversation with his brothers, he basically says to them, you can go whenever you want, but I can't. And why can't he? It's not because he's not powerful enough. It's because love is by nature limiting. Love is by nature limiting. When he says, I am going to give myself for the world because of my love for them, that means I can't go to this festival with you guys. I'm sorry. I have to go a different time. Well, this plan doesn't work. Love is by nature limiting. I can say a lot more about that. We're not going to, but just keep that in mind. Just that phrase itself. Love is by nature limiting. But it is limiting for the good of others. And it is this uh, self-limiting love that takes Jesus uh, to the cross, but it is the self-limiting love that fulfills that power that he has. His power that is made perfect in weakness, as it says. His power that turns the cross into a throne. That power that changes the people who are afraid and the people who no longer have anything to fear. To people who are proud in themselves and their own accomplishments. And to people who are humble, who are servants. In their relationship with God, their creator, and Jesus as their Savior and Redeemer. 
when we we finished last week, chapter 6, we saw that most of the people left Jesus after his sermon saying, you need me, right? And they left. We look at the end of this passage we have here, and we still have people on both sides. And that is one of the things that we are looking at all the way through John, is people trying to come to terms, come to grips with who Jesus is. And I'm sure that's where we are this morning as well. And so uh, one of the things that I really, really hope for everyone here is that you're paying attention. You're paying attention as we go through this. You're paying attention to who Jesus is and the way in which he is different than everybody else. His motivations are different. His way of life is different. But he's different even than the way that people expected him to be. But I hope you see not just that he's different, but that he's different for a reason. That he is different for the good of the world, that he's different for the good of you and for me. But the reason he's not motivated by pride, the reason he's not motivated by fear is for our good. And that is life-changing if we're willing to receive it. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.